1: This episode features an interview with Dana Barrett, the VP of marketing at Tremendous, a company that offers a simple way to send rewards and payouts around the world. In this episode, Dana discusses the ways that incentivizing your ideal customer provides impact across use cases, whether you're looking to build pipeline, drive sales, get participants in studies, etc. She also talks about carefully identifying your target persona and focusing on a small number of priorities. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com.
1: And now please enjoy this interview between Dana Barrett, the VP of Marketing at Tremendous and your host, Ian Faison.
0: Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest. Dana, how are you?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: I am doing great. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat. Tremendous. Your marketing background and everything in between. So tell me, what was your first job in marketing?
1: Well, I have an interesting background story. I started out in investment banking, professional services, worked in healthcare investment banking, and it's a really grueling job. So I went to business school, and my goal was to switch into marketing. So I studied healthcare management and marketing. And my first marketing job was my summer internship while I was at Wharton. I worked in the marketing department at Merck.
0: And now, flash forward to today. Tell us a little bit more about what it means to be VP of Marketing at Tremendous.
1: Well, Tremendous is a newer company. We're a startup. And so my main goal as vp of marketing is to create high quality pipeline for sales and we're at the beginning of this journey you'll hear me say that a lot and a lot of what i'm really focused on is defining our icp figuring out what story we're telling in the market building a channel strategy so we can reach our target customers and then make sh- making sure we have robust reporting so i can measure the roi of all of my marketing investments
0: let's get to our first segment the trust tree with the knowledge you've been given You are now on the inside of what i like to call the circle of trust what i thought we were in the trust tree with in the nest are we not where we can go and feel honest and trusted and you can share those deepest darkest pipeline secrets zooming out tell us a little bit more about what tremendous does
1: well tremendous is a scalable global platform that enables businesses to send thousands of gift cards and rewards to recipients in over 200 countries. It is super easy. You just need to tell us who. All we need is an email address or a phone number, how much, and we automate the rest from sending, reporting, tracking. And the real power of Tremendous is the recipient experience because recipients get the gift of choice. They can choose from a range of options from PayPal, Venmo, direct deposit, prepaid Visa cards, charitable donations, and even gift cards to their favorite retailer like Amazon or Starbucks. And on top of that, we offer customer support. So if people have trouble accessing the rewards, we take care of that. So you're not dealing with angry customers or research participants. We do that on your behalf. And all of this is at the low cost of zero. So it's free. Our platform is free to use. You only pay what you send. And that's tremendous.
0: It is indeed tremendous. Much like how tremendous your marketing is, which we'll get into here (laughs) in a second. So tell us what types of customers do y'all have? What size are the customers? What do those look like?
1: So as you can imagine, given what our product does, we could target a range of customers across industries, functions, use cases, And so my number one priority when I joined Tremendous, which was actually not that long ago, about four or five months ago, is defining our ICP. And right now we have three target ICPs that we're going after. So researchers, these are typically UX researchers, often at mid-market companies, some enterprise market research agencies, and they use our product to reward people for participating in research studies. Our second ICP is marketers, demand gen, growth marketers, and they're using our tool to offer incentives or rewards as part of customer promotion. So think cash back with purchase or referrals or an incentive to sign up or come to our event and we'll give you a gift card. Things like that. Typically, again, at mid market size companies, some enterprise. And then the third ICP is HR. They use our tool Again, mid-market customers, sometimes enterprise. <laughs> they use our tool to provide employee incentives. So for things like spiffs or holiday gifts or could be like incentives to participate in wellness programs.
0: And what do the different buying committees look like for this? Who, who's the person who, who signs the free dotted line for Tremendous?
1: It's actually usually the line of business owner. So we're a much simpler, you know, we are technically SaaS, FinTech, we're kind of cross the line between the two, but unlike the purchasing decisions that happen with other SaaS tools, it's much simpler for Tremendous, in part because it's free. So often it's a line of business owner, but for our larger customers who are running large volumes through our platform, we actually do engage with IT. We have an API and we sometimes, even for the biggest spenders, well, customize the workflows. So it's even easier. And we sometimes work with finance because we do offer large volume discounts and we negotiate them with finance and sometimes the legal team.
0: And I know that, you know, obviously, like you said, you've only been there a handful of months here, but what does your marketing team look like now? And and how did you think about structuring the organization?
1: So I did make some adjustments to the marketing team after I joined. We are a small company, so tremendous, just so you know, is 85 people and actually a large portion of the people in marketing and even in sales were hired within the past year. We have a relatively large marketing team, so it's about 12 people for the size of company we are. But because we're such a small team, I have three main pillars. One is product marketing and brand, and they're really tasked with who's our ICP, what are their pain points, what's our story? And they're also thinking about our content strategy because you can't tell that story unless you have really good content that can work across the different channels that you're in. I have a growth marketing team that's thinking about our channel strategy, which mainly involves events, paid, organic and lifecycle, and then marketing ops, which is actually my favorite team and the unsung hero of the marketing org. And they're making sure the infrastructure works that we're passing the right data back to Google for our paid ads, and of course, setting up some reporting for us.
0: How do you think about your marketing strategy and how you go to market?
1: Well, before I answer that question, I want to give you a little bit of context. So we are at the very beginning of this journey. Our company became tremendous in 2018, and we've really only started pivoting and leaning into go to market within the past year or two. And so from a marketing perspective... Most of what we've done in the past is search. And then if you look at awareness, many people aren't aware of tremendous as a brand, but they're also not aware of the category. So most people, when they're sending out rewards and incentives, they work directly with vendors like PayPal, or maybe they'll work with a specific vendor to offer one gift card. And that experience can involve a lot of fees. It can be difficult because you have to know exactly where people are, exactly what email address to use, and you have to provide a whole host of other information and yada, yada, yada. So it takes a lot of time and effort. And the recipient experience is often suboptimal, but most people don't know there's a better way to do this. So they're not out there searching for a solution. So it's not going to be a surprise that my marketing strategy is very focused on building our demand gen engine. So doing all the things we need to do to identify who we target, what we say, But then making sure we have the right channel strategy so we can get people to be aware of our product and start to engage in a conversation with them. And the channels that we are mainly focused on are paid and organic. Some events, depending on the ICP, it doesn't work for all ICPs. And then we also spend some time thinking about that partnership with sales, making sure they know who our ICP is, making sure that we um, arm them with the collateral, the case studies, the talking points they need to close deals.
0: Yeah. And what does that connection from marketing to sales look like and having those sales folks getting in front of, you know, those those mid-market and enterprise buyers?
1: Well, we're at the beginning of this journey. I'll probably say that a lot. So our VP of sales, <laughs> she started her job pretty much the same day. I think I started mine. She was in a different role and she got promoted into VP of sales. So I... I, I'm trying to start from a place of deep partnership and aligning both our marketing strategy and her sales strategy. And the first thing that I've really been focusing on is making sure we're agreed that on who we're selling to. And we also try to spend time actually talking about how that's going. So we identified our target ICPs. We've kind of figured out like what marketing is doing, generating high-quality pipeline. Sales' job is to close that pipeline. And we actually set up a weekly pipeline meeting where we look at the numbers together. And a lot of that discussion is around holding marketing accountable for making sure we're hitting our numbers. But then I also, we spend a lot of time just understanding, are those deals quality? Like is sales getting an increase in spam calls? Are they finding that some of the, you know, the deals that we're sending their way are just not, you know, a good fit? And then from a sales perspective, we talk about how effective they're being, like how many meetings are having, how effective they're being at closing the customers that they are interacting with. And so just having both alignment on the strategy and having a forum where we can just talk through issues as they arise real time has kind of been my approach to date. And so far, I think it's led us to at least be moving in the same direction. You have to bring me back in a year so I can tell you how well it's worked, though.
0: Right, indeed. I think you have to bring back everybody in here to, to figure out how it's working. We're only working 12 months out anyways. You know, you have a background in, in product marketing. How do you think that like, you know, coming into this role, knowing that you're strong there, but perhaps weaker in other areas, how do you think about sort of like building the, building the team and building those, you know, core competencies of, of the marketing team when like, you know, you're strong in that area?
1: Well, actually what's interesting is I spent a large chunk of my career in product marketing. And when I started thinking about, going after VP of marketing roles, I actually realized I needed to beef up my understanding of everything from marketing ops to growth marketing. And so my last role, so I Mm -hmm. started out, my last company, I started out running product marketing and then I pivoted. It was a lateral-ish move, but I I went to our head of growth and I was like, I want to know everything you know. I literally had this conversation, create a role in my team so we made something up. You know, we were struggling with pipeline, made up a job. And I spent over a year just studying. I was working on, my job was to deliver inbound pipeline. And I used that as a forum to talk to everyone on growth, everyone on marketing ops about how do you, you know, generate pipeline? How do you create quality pipeline? Where does organic fit? Where does paid fit into that? How does content work as part of that? So I got kind of like this mini master's in (laughs) growth marketing demand gen in that last year and a half at my last company. And so now I actually feel like I can effectively lead a marketing organization because I've been in the trenches and I know how the sausage is made.
0: Indeed. Uh, Any other thoughts on strategy, marketing strategy, how demand fits inside of that or any other stuff strategy related?
1: The thing that comes to mind as I hear that question is, Having a strategy is key. And so I've spent a lot of years in tech, and especially in recent history when there's been a lot of free money. I feel like a lot of tech companies, at least the ones I've worked at, making choices, deciding who you are and are not going to go after, placing bets, but not trying to be everything to everyone has not been like a focus or a strong suit. And so for me, from a marketing perspective, what I'm trying to figure out is who we're targeting. And then I'm also trying to think carefully about, like, which channels we focus on and which we don't, and then iterating on that.
0: All right, let's get to our next segment, the playbook.
1: This is what's great about sports.
0: This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Where we open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. And I know that this, you know, it's, you're a few months into this, but... Yeah. So you might not have all the answers. Or you might talk about stuff from previous roles, but what are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items?
1: Well, I actually did have to go through an exercise in budgeting and setting our plan for 2024. So I did have to make some cuts. The things that are uncuttable well, for me though are yeah, organic. We are small teams, so we don't have someone in-house. So I am paying an agency and that's uncuttable for me. Paid. I do believe that paid still delivers some value, even with some of the recent changes. And anyways, um, cookies are dead. And the third is content. So I'm actually investing a lot of time and money in content, both from a figuring out what to say, conducting research to maybe have some compelling stats, but also in generating the content itself, whether it's case studies or thought leadership etc.
0: All right. Let's let's dig into those a little bit. Why organic? What are the types of stuff that you're having folks make?
1: Well, we haven't really invested in organic up until very recently. So for us it's like basic stuff. We're figuring out how to fill out our website. If you've been on our website, you probably noticed there's just things missing. (laughs) So for example, if you want to know about our product or the features, you can't find it on our website. So adding in just missing content a lot of our pages are very, they're they're beautiful. We've redesigned them, but they're they've very little information. So they're not really SEO optimized. So figuring out how to fill in the gaps in our website and optimize the content on our website so that it starts to rank for SEO. The other thing that we're trying to figure out is, you know, how do we generate content around our blog that's compelling that's gonna rank for different keywords? And Oh, by the way, remember when I said that people aren't really out there searching for the solution? It's really hard to figure out which keywords we should focus on, prioritize. So that's a part of this battle is figuring out which search terms to go after. Where people are not just searching for gift cards for you know to give their friend, but you're actually thinking about rewards in bulk for business-related purposes. So there's a whole host of things right. that we're trying to figure out across the board.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, so sort of second bucket there, being paid, if you are, you know, if you are trying to figure out those things, even though people aren't necessarily searching for them, how do you get creative there? How do you figure out what are the things that people would be searching for that give you some clues?
1: So for paid, I mean, we've pretty much tapped out. There are some people searching and we we have, I think, tapped out on what we can do from a, a search perspective perspective to go after those folks. So our search budget, we've maxed out. What we're starting to do is figure out how to run paid in other channels. So there's two we're really focusing on. We're focusing on video because we think that's a great way to capture people, you know, awareness, top of funnel. We don't have any video assets. So one of the things that I've kicked off is building video ads and then starting to run them and test them in different channels to see what works for us from an awareness perspective. We're also experimenting with LinkedIn because we think there's some value there, but we haven't quite figured out how to make it work. So that's the other paid channel that we're really bullish on that we're starting to experiment with. And again, there, we don't actually have any ads that were properly built for LinkedIn. So we're actually starting to really roll up our sleeves and build out ads that are targeted at our different ICPs. And then we're kind of running experiments to test everything from Value props, the copy, the imagery that we use, like product UI versus abstract, you know, images, things like that.
0: And then content, obviously, you know, you you know, those personas well, Mm -hmm. the ones that you talked about, obviously, you know, research, marketing, sales and, and the HR employee sort of recognition space. So... Three very different groups of people. How do you think about making content for those folks and making that content that actually you know stands out and resonates?
1: I haven't quite figured that out yet. <laughs> That's one of the things I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Incentives, regardless of your use case, are a great way to drive impact. Whether you're trying to grow pipeline, whether you're trying to drive sales whether you want to make sure people participate in your studies and you can recruit people in, you know, global markets that you're trying to figure out how to get, you know, people to just respond or participate. And so based on what we do, we're starting to see some best practices or things that can actually position you better to reach your ultimate goal, which is sales pipeline, et cetera. And so one thought I have is, can we find a way to, Get that information out into the world because I suspect many people are interested in figuring out how can this tool help me do the thing I really care about, which is pipeline sales, getting my research studies done better, faster. And so, you know, there's probably there's some areas that we're kind of playing around with everything to thinking about like how the type of incentive you offer matters in terms of driving either pipeline or sales. We're also trying to figure out like what are the things that create a better experience for your recipients. So they're more likely to buy your product, et cetera. But those are the types of things that we're toying around with.
0: What about your cuttable budget item or something that you're not investing in or not working or is fading away?
1: I wouldn't call it fading away, but I did we had a PR agency on retainer. I did cut that. And here's why. It's not because I don't think PR has any value, but it turns out if you haven't nailed your story if you haven't figured out what you know content areas you want to own what stories you want to tell it's not a good investment and so for now i'm like no pr if you know we're about to launch a really exciting feature around fraud we might try to do something there and so they've agreed to work with us on a one-off basis but i'm not going to reinvest there until we figured out our story until we figure out like what are those areas of thought leadership that we want to own, that we have something credible to say until we build out our library of case studies.
0: Love it. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned the website and you know, you're investing in it. How do you view the website? How are you thinking about the long-term investment in the website?
1: It's hypercritical because I'm making some big bets from an organic and paid perspective to get people to my website So I definitely need to make sure that my site is optimized to convert. So it is a huge priority. I have a roadmap of things that I'm working on from experiments that we're trying to stand up to, as I mentioned earlier, just filling in some of those big content gaps, especially around product. But it is, I hate to say it, but it's like one of the most critical investments because a lot of people do their research. They don't necessarily want to talk to your sales team And even if they do talk to your sales team, they do a ton of research before they get there. And so, if you're not providing enough information to educate and engage potential customers, you're going to lose out.
0: Couldn't agree more. Critical, critical website. You know, one thing that that I wanted to mention as we were talking on cuttable budget items, obviously here as we've been talking about it all day, is the idea of gifting and doing you know, really interesting types of engagements or rewards. And one of the stories that back in the day, Jason would have told on this very podcast was about how they did a hundred dollar gift card for demos to their like ICP. And he said, there's the best campaign that he ever did was, was doing that. And I know that, you know, and he said that they, they messed with like the, how many dollars and how much how much to give and how to give it and who to ask and all these, all these crazy things. But yeah, they did that campaign. It was the best thing ever. And, you know, I think this was years ago, so I don't know if they use tremendous or not, but, but I think that it's important to sort of talk about this idea that like, there is a very clear marketing Mm -hmm. use case for a product like tremendous to engage prospects and to get them to demo and to get them to do things like that. And we've heard it here firsthand on this podcast.
1: Yes. And we, actually use our product to incentivize people to take a demo with us. We actually found something interesting because we also did a test, a small test with different dollar amounts, zero, $50 and a hundred. And actually $50 worked better than a hundred because we found that I think it was like deals went up, like leads went up three or four times deals, which is our version of sales qualified opportunities were also up. So it was high quality pipeline. And it was at half the cost per lead. And $50 actually worked better than $100. So mm. $100, we had lower leads and deals and a higher cost per lead. And we think it's potentially because if you spend, if you offer too much, people just take the money, just they don't care about your product, but they just sit in the meeting to get right. you know the money. But if it's low enough, it incentivizes the people who might have an interest and it might be worth their time to actually spend some time with you. And this is hypercritical for smaller companies, of course, because you don't have the name brand recognition. But yeah, we, we've seen the same sort of results in using incentives in our own marketing efforts. So it can be a pretty powerful tool.
0: Yeah. Another thing that he said that I remember when we were talking about on that episode is that basically the flash to bang or whatever you want to call it was was really long where they they had a bunch of people that came on and did these and then a bunch of them didn't buy. And someone was like, "Oh, that didn't work out at all." And then next sales cycle, they close all these deals, and they're like, "Where did all these deals come from?" And it turns out they were all the people that demoed the product like eight months earlier, but weren't weren't actually ready to More buy ready. then, anyways. Yeah. And I just think there's so much value in getting someone demoing your product for real. You know, not trying to just <laughs> take the money. But if yeah. you're asking the right person, anyways, I mean, how many times do you, I don't know if you've ever got roped into like a like a timeshare conversation, anything like that, (laughs) where something that you're like, I would never do this in a million years. Yeah. And then you get it and sit in the pitch and you're like, well, actually, I mean, this does make a lot of sense, you know? So I I just think that there's such something very human about that thing that, you know, then you realize, oh, actually, this is, this probably would be a good thing for me to, for me to have, or at a minimum, it's a nice to have. Right. And, and at least people know that your product is a nice to have.
1: Yeah. Oh, and one thing I should mention, I probably wouldn't use the incentives on every channel. We typically use it on LinkedIn, where you're targeting people, at least for us, our target ICP, people who are yeah. you know, operating in businesses. So that's going to increase the likelihood that when you get that call, it's someone who actually has the potential to use your product. So.
0: Yeah, we've done it with cold email outreach to the literal people that we know would buy our stuff, right? So it's like yeah. to the exact person who is the buyer at our icp type company but yeah i get it all the time i mean i get outreach on linkedin pretty pretty regularly and for people that of a whatever ceo of a company you know 25 to whatever 50 people or whatever and so i get i get people all the time you know saying hey do you want 100 bucks to do this thing and you know like i i am in the proverbial industry here so i am I just don't need those products and services, but it. But the funny thing is, it does make you stop and look at it for a second and be like, okay, am I gonna am I gonna try to buy this product anyways someday? And should I take a hundred bucks? Yeah. But yeah, it, it's just a great it's a great way to open the door. Offering people money turns out always a good way, a good foot in the door.
1: Absolutely.
0: Any other thoughts on? tactics or other things or things you're experimenting or things, you know, with your 10% experimental budget that you want to be investing in or any other, any other playbook playbook isms here?
1: Well, so for me, because I have so many potential ICPs and use cases, I kind of have tiered them. So the tier ones are the ones I'm going after full force. So when I think about experimentation, it's how do I test to see if we can get any traction with those tier two ICPs So nonprofit is an area where we actually get a number of folks using our products, but we're not quite sure about the profitability. We're not quite sure about what use cases make the most sense. So as I think about experimentation, i literally literally talking to one of my PMMs about this. We think we might run a campaign in the next half targeting nonprofits to see if we can get them to use our, our products. But it's something she literally said, I want to experiment now. I was like, no, Experimentation is for after we get the basics done. <laughs> let's come back to that in the second half. Yeah, right. But that's how I think about experimentation. It's probably going to be like running some, you know, paid campaigns on LinkedIn, hyper targeted at nonprofits. That's probably where we'll start.
0: Very cool. All right, let's get to our next segment. The desktop. Uh oh. Here comes Trevor.
1: You may have heard. That there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly because we've got punches and kicks.
0: We talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitors, or anyone else. Dana, have you ever had a dust-up in your career?
1: I wonder if anyone ever answers that question with no. I suspect they don't. So, yes, I have. I So, most of my background is in product marketing. And so I've often been caught between sales and product. Those two orcs tend to be very much at odds. And I would classify it as a healthy tension, although it can sometimes come to blows. But typically the conversation goes something like this. Sales has this customer, they're trying to close, they need XYZ feature or they can't do it. So they're mad because they're like product, you have built an unsellable product. And then product inevitably turns around and says, you can't sell. And so as a product marketer in the middle of this, no-win kind of discussion, I often try to reframe the discussion to be more productive and business value-based. And so I'll often try to figure out, okay, sales, you're saying you need product to build these features. Why? What unmet need does that solve? And then I'll try to think about, okay, well, if we address these unmet needs, does this help us to capture a larger share of the market, go after our ICP? And then ultimately, if I think there is a case, I'll build a business case. And I would often, you know, have a discussion with sales and product in the room where we talk about the business case. And I found that that's been a good way to diffuse that tension between product and sales. But luckily being at a startup, (laughs) I'm not seeing a lot of that. So I'm not caught in the middle of that, thankfully.
0: Okay. Let's get to our final segment. Quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how qualified.com helps companies generate pipeline quickly Tap into your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly start sales conversations right there on the website, quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Qualified, is the, they're the best, and we love them dearly. So go to qualified.com to check them out. Quick hits. Dana, are you ready? Yes. You don't sound sure, but I know you are. <laughs> Number one, what's a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume?
1: So I, I have a black belt in Taekwondo and I, if you know me and knew me actually back before I got this, I was, I'm not the most athletic person, but I, I took Taekwondo like in college and I committed to it for four years and I got a black belt. So that's my hidden skill or talent, I guess.
0: That's a great one. I don't know how many black belts we've had on the show. That would be a great because it's not on the resumes, just like yours. Maybe, maybe it's time yeah. to add it. Okay. What's, what's a favorite book, podcast, or TV show that you'd recommend?
1: I'm assuming you mean business books. So I have a lot of fun, for fun books, but I'll focus on the business. So there's actually two books that someone recommended at my last company that's just been so amazing. One is called How Women Rise. It's by the author of What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it just debunks this myth that some women aren't executive material. It's usually there's a lot of bad habits that they've formed over the years that are getting in their way. And it just helps you identify them and get rid of them. And then there's one other book, Playing to Win, How Strategy Really Works. And it's really just about the idea of going back to basics, understanding what strategy is, which is making choices. And as someone in tech where strategy has then uneven at best, I think that it was really kind of refreshing to me to read this book and remind myself, okay, I've actually got to make choices as a leader in my new role at Tremendous. So those are the two that I've found a lot of inspiration from recently.
0: Do you have a favorite non-marketing hobby that indirectly makes you a better marketer?
1: Yes. I don't know if it's a hobby, but I have gotten really into, like a lot of people, mindfulness. So I every day I work out in the morning and I actually started meditating And doing yoga at night and it's been transformative because i find that i'm less reactive i'm able to be more focused and present with the one thing i'm doing and i feel like it's making me more productive
0: if you weren't in marketing or business at all what do you think you'd be doing
1: well my favorite thing to do is read so if i'm not working or being a parent i have two kids i'm reading And I once thought, you know, I wish someone would just pay me to read all day. And then I realized there is actually a job where people get paid to read all day. (laughs) There is. I would be a audible book narrator so I could get paid to read all day.
0: I I thought you were going to make a joke and say that that's a VP of marketing because I feel like (laughs) you don't get paid to read all day, but I feel like the best ones probably do read quite a bit.
1: I never quite thought about it that way. So I am in my dream job. (laughs) That's funny.
0: Okay. So last question here. What is your best piece of advice for a first time VP of marketing, trying to figure out all this marketing strategy stuff?
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) So I'm talking to myself basically. Okay. One is define your ICP. You can't go after everyone. So pick who you're going to go after. The second thing that I've really been learning real time is you can't fix every problem. You can't fill every gap. So you actually have to just pick the one, two, three things that you're really going to focus on. And then the third thing is making sure that you set clear expectations with your boss. I'm not a magical purple unicorn who's going to come in and fix everything all at once, but I am going to fix these three things that I've decided to focus on. So that would be my advice.
0: I love it. Dana, it has been wonderful chatting with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show, for your time, for listeners. Go check out Tremendous. I mean, there's truly no downside. You should just, if you're giving a single gift in 2024 to anyone, your company should be using Tremendous. Go to Tremendous.com. Dana, any final thoughts? Anything to plug?
1: No, thank you. This has been really fun.
0: Yeah, so awesome having you on the show, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com. A conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.